are doing the will of our true self. We are inevitably doing the will of the universe. In magic, these are seen as indistinguishable. That every human soul is in fact one human soul. It is the soul of the universe itself. And as long as you are doing the will of the universe, then it is impossible to do anything wrong. How's it going, everybody? Good to see you. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining. Yeah, as most of you know that are listening to the wide release of Pragmagic Output, I've taken some time off. It was much, much needed as I kind of dipped more into the, you know, the realms of outside human experience, trying to get out of myself. But most of you that are Patreon subscribers are extremely privy to the rollicking, toiled, tundras of self that I've uh, bespoke and soliloquies of mental disfluencies these past couple months since taking the break after releasing the audio sigil. And yes, here I am. I'm front-loading right before All Hallows' Eve, or in We the Hallowed terms, our anniversary. So... I'm releasing this episode tonight. Tomorrow will be Luxa Strata from Luxa Cult because I'm playing my first show in over a year tomorrow night. So I'm uh, doing a lot just right before Halloween. But anyways, I want to thank everybody who has been corresponding with me during these dalliances of dark. And uh, I appreciate you all. Before I introduce Cayman... I just wanted to address the audio sigil that I released in late August, or We the Hallowed released. And those of you subscribed to the podcast have already been privy to this We the Hallowed audio sigil, and you got it as one full-length track, which is how it should be listened to. But I did want to tell you that it is also available on Bandcamp through donation only. If you don't want to pay, that's fine. I don't care. I want more ears on it. You know, I had a postpartum depression after releasing it. It was something that tethered me to creation uh, through all the rough and tumble of the epidemic and and moving across country or across, you know, the West uh, multiple times since this whole hootenanny started. But I did want to say I hope that you enjoyed it and I hope that because of my postpartum depression it's not left in the lurch you know i think when artists create something they put something out there is a postpartum feeling about it for folks like me for creatives like me i'm all about the process and to lose the process of this magnanimous undertaking it just gives me a couple of weeks of reprieve it's got carl abrahamson vanessa sinclair nish uh, Sayroth the Mage, Michelle Enbury, and they're all incredible, and I hope that you'll still check it out. Especially Eric Millar's wonderful uh, design and artistic layout for the entire thing. But I digress. Today's guest, I know quite well, and some might even say that I've followed them their entire life. Cayman Ross is a fellow trickster licking his lips to the wild fancies of brilliant artistic expressions. From his seminal work in the band Sexy Coyote to his recent frenetic piano record, simply titled Cayman, Ross is truly a musician that rips through theoreticals and dips well into the ratitudes. Though this chat was recorded in the summer during our respective mad seasons, 
His self-titled album is out now, and it is a perfect companion for this autumnal work of which we are all present for. And as Cayman ends his sojourn in South Korea, and we move past this hollowed week, I highly recommend taking his album on a walk, on a run, on a jumping jack, on a spelunk, on a cliff dive, whatever suits your fancy because it is a wonderful soundtrack to the frenetic mind melds of which he is so talented at playing. You can find it at caymanross.bandcamp.com and stay tuned for after because we will be premiering a video and his music if you're listening uh, for Yellow Rose which is a single off that album and I hope that you will check it out and that you will listen and you will dive into it just as much as I have. It's a brilliant work. So Slither Hither, Weirdos and Witches, here's my chat with my brother, Cayman Ross. This is a very special show. It's the first time that my younger brother, Mr. Cayman Adam Ross is on the program. Say hello, Cayman from Korea. Howdy. Uh, oh, and you want to say all? Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you're in um, South Korea right now, that's which right. is super exciting. Um, I know you were you were out there to teach English, but you got a, a pretty major job, which is pretty incredible. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's also teaching English, but I get to teach music too. Right. Uh, and the best thing about it is where it is. Uh, not a lot of, or a lot of people like it, but not a lot of people want to live here because there uh, aren't a lot of people and there's definitely not really much of a nightlife, but it's located on Jeju Island, which I'm obsessed with because it's got mountains and oceans and flowers and animals and birds. And so I'm just having the time of my life. I love it. It's also, it's, it's, it reminds me of Seattle in that way. It's like we do have the ocean, we have these great lakes, but we also have the mountains and everything. It's a very, you know, the flora and fauna, I think, in both places are just incredible, you know. And it's funny, we both, you know, I did have that year in Denver and I missed you by a couple of months because that's where you're from pretty much. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, our family is in uh, in Colorado and uh, I had a covid year in Denver. (laughs) <laughs> it's, right. It did, never felt like it lifted off the ground, but that's not Denver's fault by any means. Um, but if you Mercury went out there. Retrograde were an entire year. Exactly. It would have yeah. been 2020. Colorado and retrograde, or yeah, 2020 and retrograde, I should say. Mm. But yeah, it was a very um, is it, it was an interesting experience, and it was cool to to like you know have family close to me for the first time since I was like 17, you know, and uh, yeah. just having that around was like it's it's going to be sorely missed you know it's like a safety net that you can keep at the back of your mind even if you don't use it often you know that it's there and it allows you some some liberty that you otherwise don't have access to yeah and um you know i think we both we're cut from the same cloth obviously uh at least uh half of one and uh you are a very um very proud of like your accomplishments in music and uh, Ragozo. And I know that you're planning on putting out like, is this your first solo album that you're going to do? Uh, it's my first. It's a lot of my firsts. It's the first time I'm playing just one instrument. Mm. Um, it's the, which is piano. It's the first time I'm releasing music under my own name without some sort of character attached to it. Sure. It's, I mean, there's always going to be kind of a character, but it's my name. So it's the closest I can get in this form um, to just who I am. And, uh, but the first Ragozo record, which is a band that I started with my friends that saved my life, um, was also technically a solo album, but it always had the intention of creating a community. Yeah, I know how that goes. Which it did. and this one wasn't. Um, it's just me 
<laughs> talking to the universe and putting something out there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it, especially because I just think you're a wonderful pianist and stuff. So that mm. would be super interesting Thanks. to see. But I, it really rings true. You know, I've been contemplating. I'm doing it with writing. Uh, I talked to Mitch Horowitz early on in my podcasting out of the broom closet kind of magical career or whatever. And he told mm. me, you know, I, we talked about monikers and characters that we're playing, you know, Dakota Slim being one or you know, Revelator Ross or whatever. And he told me, you know, just be truthful, like just come at it. You know, I was scared writing about magic for disinfo.com and stuff. It, there, There is like a coming out, you know, when you, you're talking about things like this weighty, right? And this mm. kind of, you know, this disparaged, I think a lot, especially as someone that comes at it in a pragmatist or pragmatist sort of way, you know? And uh, yeah, he was like, just, do it just write it under your name fucking fully embrace it you know yeah well because especially if you're taken with the unknown then it's a little bit frightening because you, it's like you're inviting a lot of energy your way by revealing your name but yeah. that's that's why it takes a lot of people a long time to do it because when they finally do it they feel like they're ready I do think a lot of people do it before they're ready and, you know, suffer some sort of consequence or grow up a lot faster than they otherwise would have. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I felt, I felt ready. I felt like I could take the mask off. Yeah. And like, I'm still, you know, I'm still obsessed with characters. I've been trying to kill Dakota Slim for a long time, but that's just because I have something in the, in the works that has been working on forever to kind of end it. And once yeah. that ritual is out there, then I can move on. And that's like, you know, it's a very music based thing. But I think with different mediums, you know, writing to me is like the my most honest kind of a tribute to who I am as a person or like a, a very right. clear understanding of how to talk, you know, about where I'm at, you know, with all of this. And so that was a big yeah. step was like, you know, screw it. I'm not I'm not doing, you know, a pseudonym. I'm going to say who I am and uh, gain the ire or respect, you know, <laughs> both ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the only one that really needs to, like, have respect for it when you're first putting it out is just yourself so that you can stand behind it. Um, yeah. And then everything else is just, it's like a fun game to see what kinds of spirit are going to interact with it mm -hmm. um, and in what spirits they will. Um, yeah, I there's always going to be a character though, like whether you like it or not, because we're always evolving. Like all of the atoms in your body will be replaced ultimately with enough time. It's are you even the same person you were seven years ago on a no. molecular level? So, <laughs> right. So it's just, you know, who you are at the time. It's a time and a place too. Um, yeah, there's also you know, nothing is ultimate here. Right. But there's also a contradictory nature of it that I really love to explore where it seems like absolute absolutism on either end, whether it's like, yeah, we constantly paying, playing a character as the character itself or real mask. You know what I mean? Or are we you know what I mean? Like, is it are we Batman and Bruce Wayne is the mask kind of thing? Right. It's yeah. like it, and I really I really feel that sometimes like I, I really do feel that, you know, I can speak more honestly through characters, but at the same time, like to have it be sourced to me as the person, if you can see my LinkedIn and know that I'm a fucking crazy asshole on the Internet when it comes to magic or whatever, <laughs> you know, that to me <laughs> that that genealogy of like being able to kind of traverse both worlds like makes a lot of sense to me you know Just yeah being... i know what you mean you were kind of like weaving through time something a little more something that will last longer something yeah. that's a little more resolute and equally as full and compelling yeah yeah it's it's just nice to meet everyone i feel like when you put yourself out there especially on the internet wow what mm -hmm. a thing we are constantly underestimating the power of but yeah, especially when we're putting ourselves out there, it's like 
we're just meeting the other versions that of the universe that other people have been able to put out because yeah. of their lens. And I do think there's like, a, you know, it's inferred a lot that there's a moral ambiguity of like who represents themselves completely on the internet, you know? And I think like mm-hmm. to a fault, like I'm good at just being my broken self, like even in a digital sphere, you know, <laughs> like it's just, that's just what it is. It's like, I'm not really parlaying, you know, how to be like a, a, a caricature of me sometimes, but even that can be the caricature you know and so it's a yeah i don't know do you always feel like deep like deep down like what however especially if like there's a negative energy that comes your way that -hmm. you're always able to sort of like laugh it away oh yeah because you're removed from even the most honest version of you that could articulate itself and then release itself into the internet um it's still not quite you you know yeah you know humor is the tether i think for me i think you know like at the end of the day like i do giggle i do laugh i i you know i have regrunts where you have those like visceral audible sounds when you remember a regret and you go and people are like what what happened oh nothing you know something just came to mind (laughs) you know never sever sever the tether yeah yeah Um, yeah and like to me like it's yeah it is it is humorous and like um especially in the past year being more you know because we the hollowed started as a very visceral in the same place physical kind of collective and then you know i was always very yeah and i was always very despondent about like doing the online thing with it because i felt that there was maybe an easiness to it or it wasn't it wasn't the same and over the past couple of years, I've learned like it's, you know, very it, it's absolutely worth it. You know, we've I've been connected more to I have I have dear friends in Scotland and in Australia and, you know, all over the world that I wouldn't have had if we didn't, you know, speak out loud about these things and invite people in, you know. And they wouldn't have found you like they couldn't have proliferated their ideas right as easily you know like the internet really is a tool that people can always go to um if they're seeking for or maybe not always you know if they live in a place with restricted access or just no access to the internet but um in those places that have it it's one of the only ways to get outside of where you physically are yes yeah which is so vital to this kind of work yeah and i think that you know 2020 was a huge i i had internalized there were dramas that happened online that i internalized like it happened at school you know what i mean yeah like it got like there's no difference to me there are real people behind these keyboards and these cameras you know yeah yeah i feel exactly the same and because of the pandemic and a lot more people being restricted from physically moving about the world the ways that they're used to moving about it like a lot of us were paying more attention to the internet than ever before so this stuff that was even happening already just more people more energy was directed at it Uh, so it felt even more important everything that happened um and all of it coinciding was overwhelming yeah, and it's it's one of those, you know, I'm still a fan of letter writing and, you know, pen pal and like pen to paper. And I think a lot of like my, you know, my creative praxis as it is, is very, it, it kind of it exists in the middle of the analog and digital world, you know. So it's like very important to me to, you know, for a handshake or, you know, to read somebody in person. But it's funny seeing people on camera. I thought that because of my you know, mental issues or whatever that I wouldn't be able to understand like where a person's coming from, but it's just this crazy mirror you're looking into where you can actually, you know, read the rhythms and the, you know, the, the small inclinations of a human being talking and like how they parse themselves out and type in text and stuff is all relative of that, you know? Yeah. So, a lot of people, yeah. 
especially the younger the person, you know, the more technology has been around them. You know, we were talking about people that were born and then a year later knew how to type on an iPad because of a game. Yeah. Uh, like, this is not how we grew up, really. Like, we grew up in the advent of it accelerating really fast. And it's just never stopped. You know, people are still like for younger people, like ourselves included, like our phones are just an extension of our brains. And some people mm -hmm. just get swifter and swifter at, uh, you know, shortening the gap between thought to post. Yeah, I want, you know, and I, as, as the extension of the brain, I still am struggling, you know, um, and it's like relative to, I don't know, depressive, you know, uh, situations or whatever is happening in my life. I will react online or through social media the same or I'll just be aloof about it. You know, that's a big mm -hmm. thing for me. It's like I don't I still haven't come across understanding that it's a tool and to use it, you know, for promotion and stuff, because I find that I just like I don't want to deal with it sometimes <laughs> you know, you know like that's a really interesting point that i feel like is pretty topical for right now which is a lot of people don't feel they're allowed to check out that yeah. they're not allowed to passively engage with or that passive behavior is actively the enemy it's and, the hustle culture thing you know? yeah i I, yeah. I do see where it's coming from and want to fight the good fight too but if you're not giving yourself a chance to check out distance yourself reflect on your surroundings then it's just another way for you to stop being present yeah it's another way for you to not engage with the world the way we're all trying to get to right all of these fights are just let people live let people go let people be free and sometimes getting caught up in the fight can enslave us from doing that. And mm -hmm. if we can't do that, what hope do we have for other people to be able to? So yeah, we always have to have the, the power to release, let go. Yeah. There is a uh, guilt that comes with, you know, Oh, I didn't post today or like, you know, when I, I released a new album and I did it purely through social media as like an experiment where I just said, if you want it, you know, you can, send me five bucks via PayPal or you can just tell me you want it and I'll send it to you. And it works really great in that way. Yeah. And I felt like I didn't need to keep hounding it, you know, through all of the facets of social media in a way. And that was like really revealing to me of, you know, cause there is this like inner impetus to, Oh God, it's 3 PM. And that's like when, uh, you know, marketing, that's like when everybody Engagement their is high. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> people are and on their phones. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to feel at 3 PM to be honest. <laughs> Some games aren't worth playing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And like you've, you've always been very, I think you've had a, a generally good relationship with it where you keep it fun and it's, it's light and uh, I think that's just who you are, though. And I think that's the extension of it, right? Uh, it's who I want to be. Um, like, I, what, what you said about guilt pinged a memory for me of someone once telling me that they weren't big on guilt. You know, they were, that, those were their words. I'm not mm -hmm. big on guilt. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of shame. Um, and it's a pretty Who benign is? statement. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like everyone can get down with that, but hearing it articulated with, um, a casual intensity to me mm. once in the con, we were talking about, uh, like diets, we were talking about why certain people choose to go vegan or eat mm. certain things, or they want to lose weight and things like that. They're like, yeah, I'm not big on shame. And that was such an eye-opening moment for me, even though it was something I had probably already internalized. I had never articulated it. And so that to me just felt really important. Yeah. Like, so like, you know, not big on shame. Like I just, I won't do anything that would cause it. 
right? Is that what they're trying to say? Or they or they or, do shit and they just don't care, like if the feeling comes up. It's just not an effective motivator to do anything. It's not. Like, yeah. Like the things that you want to do and accomplish, like if you're doing them from a sense of running away from something, then you're going to lose sight of what you're running to, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good and it sucks that it's so hardwired in some of us. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with communing with the other, which is like brain chemistry and like this regretful nature that you have for, you know, not really having the faculties to have had these big moments to understand the decisions that you made. Right. And so, mm. like, that can play a lot in because, like, yeah, there's a inherent more uh, morality within you that's you know very you know well shit like i was in a bad way I, you know i acted i acted out and this this can be online too like i still do it and we should get into that because like trickster you know and online shit is a is a major deal for me sometimes you know i mean you made the world huh trickster <laughs> yeah, makes exactly. the world like yeah this new frontier of expressing ourselves as earnestly as we can mm -hmm. is only the predecessor to whatever is going to come next. And I imagine that we're going to see masks come back in a really fun, frivolous, like, uh, and, and yet still authentic way. Like people yeah. are going to come back into characters. Uh, everyone's always trying to invent new colors, literally uh, just yeah. try and re redefine okay. Have you Colors. seen uh, uh, my Australian friend, Jeremy Francis, uh, the alchemical arts? He makes his Tell own pigments out of bugs. Excellent. Yeah. The way that it, well, it's also the way that a lot of pigments are still made, actually. Oh, it's yeah. Color, but the it's color very red. like primitive skills. And I know that that's kind of an upsetting term for some, especially as someone that teaches quote unquote primitive skills to kids it's it, yeah. we're still learning like what is okay and how to you know frame these things you know these the the titles of these you know well things. primitive is just a scientific marker for time yeah maybe there's a new vernacular for it but i'm sure uh, yeah there, it's there frankly is. prehistoric you know it's right like, yeah you know, we but have I think, like, you know, in the in the Native American communities, it's very like, well, you know, no, we're coexisting with you. We're not primitive anymore. You know, we still use. Yeah, I do skills. think that a lot of people associate that word with certain cultures, which is what the problem is. Um, okay. And actually, you know, we uh, I would love to talk about First Nation people for a second, because mm -hmm. the there is a lot of work to do in mm -hmm. Korea, for example. You know, their history is not ex like um tied to the first nation people of the americas uh in as significant a way and so their understanding of those cultures comes from the not only overgeneralized because of like how globalization tends to zoom out but also from the white american school systems lens mm -hmm. of it a certain number of years ago. So I'm still using textbooks that refer um, to Native Americans as Indians and yeah. saying things that I'd rather not repeat here um, right. that are just overgeneral or like not true, conflating tribes with each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just a lot of like indiscriminate. Um, prejudice accidental prejudice sure yeah I, I i think that's a good frame for it because i think most people when they realize the weight of the words used they go oh fuck i'm sorry yeah you know that's just what we were accustomed to using as you said especially in the american yeah. school system like that's what we had especially you know growing up in you know arizona too it was like yeah it was it was brutal like it's um it was in your face all the time about just how yeah. uh, what I said to you earlier before we went live, it's a cultural dysmorphia, you know? Yeah. 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 And we're all, whoa. Um, we are just coexisting with each other and learning more and more about our, each other's histories. And also at the same time, like, I think humans and maybe a lot of animal life 
just generally is very problem oriented. Like we're mm-hmm. a lot more focused on fixing things than we are about appreciating the things that have already been fixed or that were already fine. Sure. So I think that there's just a lot of grief that we're naturally prone to, first of all, talking about and second of all, paying attention to when it's talked about. Yeah. So it can seem overwhelming, but things are getting better. We're all listening to each other more. Ultimately. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because, yeah, I feel that way. You know, there was some uh, I don't know, there was some uh, bips and burps, you know, some dust ups in the past year, just learning the vernacular in the digital space of online communities. And you know what I mean? There's there's always going to be those hard tussles, right? of yeah you know oh maybe this this person and i had a falling out and it was you know big or whatever i'm not saying anyone specifically just as an example and um yeah it's interesting to see that like when you know when i'm tracking when i'm tracking coyotes like in the oregon wilderness and i'm learning how you know the dew settles on the dirt on the track and i can I can surmise that this happened before the dew settled. So it crossed this path, you know, before like in nighttime, like when the sun was over the you know horizon, like it just brings me back to we need we need this for each other. We need this for, you know, accepting like the gates of, of people's involvement uh, with themselves. And it can be a lot of like uh you know, heavy chested rigmarole with a lot of folks because we're so just entwined with, you know, um, a tweet or, or whatever. And I think mostly people want to, want to listen. They want to put their ear to the ground. They, they want to know this, but I don't get um, the obsession too much, like the futurist stance with things to me. I'm more of a, no, I need to like go kiss the dirt you know um computers and and this sort of communication live streaming and all this it's a beautiful invention and i use it as a tool uh for learning specifically and communicating with people but at the same time like we need to get out more you know (laughs) like (laughs) yeah i don't i think like i mean you did hit the nail on the head we do need to get out more I also think that there's not as much of a separation between say these machines and the dirt, like how the internet functions and how mushrooms communicate with each other through spore clouds is quite similar to sure. um, each other. Not and to that, mention like, like being how, the nervous system of the world. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, can do like the macro and micro with each other yeah. with root systems underground and how the internet is just a collection of wires in the ocean sure. that lay across the floor. Yeah. Like it's all, itself already but um, i do think there there's an, a, an the oppressive human least. element yeah <laughs> um there's there's something to me walking around a city that has no green life at all that just makes me sad to my core yeah um that you know a lot of my friends don't share this feeling but I, it's so strong within me that i have to remove myself from those yeah. situations sometimes don't and go to be Phoenix. somewhere <laughs> yeah um and you just be somewhere where, yeah, there's dirt, there's soil, there's something mm-hmm. I can reach into and feel. I think actually there's a, there's a lot of power in shoes, mm-hmm. actually, and taking them off. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems like, I, I don't know, I guess like a trivial uh, pedestal to stand on. Um, but yeah just walking around without shoes i i can think of a lot of people that can't remember the last time they did that other than when they were inside their own house for sure yeah our our calloused feet are not calloused anymore and i think that's a that's a major thing for us and the connectivity of our gates like like i said I'm, my mind is still in like tracking animals and just like you know kind of the the brash nature of the thing of you know, I sleep where I sleep because it's survival. I eat where I eat because it's survival. And there's a harmony to that, you know, there's like a, a primitive. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I'm not saying that, you know, humans like need to go back to that or whatever. That's not at all. I'm, I'm far more, you know, I'm into the weeds of like the communion of both, 
is what I'm trying to say. You know? Yeah, I think a, a lot of the separation is an illusion, but mm-hmm. we're running with the illusion and yeah. act- and making the actual divide, which maybe was smaller than we thought, bigger and bigger. And it's still not as big as we think it is, but it's still getting bigger. If mm-hmm. that makes sense? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if uh, something left untended will overgrow, right? And like, I think having well, conversations conversations like this help to you know kind of feel the the detritus you know that's uh gonna litter the earth (laughs) well yeah like conversations like this and music and and Mm -hmm. everything we're just playing with memories so that when you do reach a point when you're at the edge of the woods you might remember to take off your shoes Mm -hmm. you know whoever's listening might yeah hear our voices just really quickly and make a decision based on what we said in their memory. And that's how I operate. You know, I I hear voices from all of the people that I love, especially, but also just people that I put a lot of energy into their art um, or whatever I've paid attention to. You know, it's like a community in my head that's always with me when I'm alone that will guide me to make certain decisions. Yeah. You know, yeah, I do. I, I understand that greatly. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I do as well. And I think um, when we're getting to or in the weeds, you know, with this sort of, you know, uh, how do I put this? It's a it's a symphony, right, of voices and wisdom that you can call on, you know, floating heads of the self or whoever, our parents, you know, or our teachers or or friends or especially like and i'm with you on this like artists that really spoke to me you know it's not hero worship it's it's a very like i don't want to say somber but it's it's a very serious like communion with somebody yeah yeah it's like advice um yeah i feel like it's it's like a guide and some of the advice is more pressing than others, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it'll say run or something scary like that. And sometimes it'll say stay and sometimes it'll trick you, but it, maybe it's playful. And sometimes it'll, in any case, it's going to show you something or you're going to show yourself something about yourself through it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll echo back. And there is like a, there's a mirror image too of everything that you've learned. Where that's kind of where I exist is I don't know where I got this from. Maybe it's being raised in contradictory means or something, but I'm always like, look, how do I disable the beliefs or like the constants that I hold? Like, what are the what are the keys that are going to ruin this? Because if I'm going to make a pillar that holds up where my mind is, I want to make sure it's certain in a way. And like you find that, yeah, not a lot of things are. And I think that's been a really good learning process is like, yeah, there's a there's a way to demolish any pillar. But at the same time, it's not about demolishing the pillar or finding it completely certain or absolutist. It's about like really just expressing the art form of creating the pillar. Right. Yeah, I guess. And people build those pillars for different reasons. Some people want them to be secure and some people are just trying to jump off of them as soon as they get high enough. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. But um, some, some of I, us. I, 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 do, I, do, I do think a lot of people don't question the beliefs that they realize that they're subconsciously holding on to. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, there could be a great reason for that. They lucked out. They had a great upbringing. Uh, they were exposed to information that allowed them to make the decisions logically and not from a place of introspection and mm-hmm. rather from a place of being zoomed out. Um, yeah, and then some and people like don't works. do it because they don't realize. And I think that that's what you're getting at is yeah. that's really important work is to look at yourself and not in comparison to everything else, but in comparison to what you're not. And like, what you want to be and what you could be and what how, how you could have been and things like that. And you marry very well, just continue on the path that you're on now, but it's always good to look back once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the moments when you have to get somewhere. 
but in the moments when you're just exploring, I think yeah. you got to look in every direction. You know, I took a video. So I was doing um, like Patreon updates about the move out here to Seattle. And I haven't released this yet. But uh, once we got the place we were in and I was taking a walk around the neighborhood, I decided to turn the phone on and just record me and the feelings I was having of fuck, we did it. This is great. I feel so happy. You know, this is like where we should be. I get it, you know, and I knew in my mind, I was like, I'm going to need this later. I'm going to need this. And I needed it the next day, to be honest, <laughs> you know, because mm. like that's just how my brain chemistry works. But to always have this like treasure map of, you know, um, mining kind of emotions that have happened in the past where, you know, you can fight, you know, the beasts that come through or whatever with like, see, see how you acted, see what your, your rhyme and your meter was, see, you know, the gate and how you were walking. It's like tracking the self and being like, I was good here, you know? And uh, completely. Absolutely. Um, And it's really important that you can create those moments for yourself. That is a skill that not everyone has immediately. Um, Maybe not now, maybe they're about to learn it. And at the same time, like, like we said already, other voices in that symphony, in that choir can sing to you in those moments too. And like mm-hmm. those moments that you created for yourself might not be just for you, especially if you shared them with another person, mm. like other people can use that to help them. Yeah. I, Excuse me. My leg fell asleep. It hurts <laughs> so much. That's the old Korean leg sleep move. I did. Mm-hmm. I was doing that. <laughs> so we do have uh, quite a, uh, fine collection of assholes in the chat just kidding i love you guys um uh jill d charles unleashed michelle Embry, uh john aside i think there were some other folks above but uh it's good to see you guys thank you for hanging out um i did see that jill said oh my god you guys look so much alike which is pretty funny (laughs) yeah Um, well it's funny because especially at the time in my life that I started to look a lot like you looked at that time in your life mm-hmm. were times when we weren't really interacting that much. Right. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I was, I, I, I don't, to be honest, I feel like my memory is deteriorating and I'm going to need to focus on that. But I, you know, I was just on this plane into myself and having a really hard time kind of adjusting to things. And I'm working through it now, but uh, I do look back on pictures and it's like, yeah, you were, you know, you were wearing Nirvana shirts at us or you were like listening to Nirvana. You had the same kind of hairstyle at the time. And it's funny just like how those generations kind of skip like that, you know, both without a lot of interaction about the subject, both of us getting very interested in coyotes specifically. As well is interesting like there is some sort of cosmic link happening wow. um but yeah thanks jill was it yes jill jill D, who's uh who's amazing and uh i mean everyone in chat's great but uh i just had jill on and she was talking about there's been a lot of see my mind works i'm skipping all over the place but um there's been a lot of gruff, I think. We I still follow skeptic communities because I like to reinforce my beliefs or test them or whatever. And there's been a lot of gruff about tarot, and I know you're into tarot as well. And I'm really uh, interested in divination in general. I think it's yeah. you know, like wherever the bones may fall, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, well, there's something and I can come at it. Being the way they are, I can come at it very pragmatically too, and just say, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful tool, psychological tool. It's a healthy archetypal problem solver. It's a way to get out of a creative block. I've used it for writing for different characters and stuff that I've worked at. You know what I mean? Like, or for songwriting, 
Like it's such a good tool. And I think a lot of it too is uh, there's a bunch of charlatans out there. Right. And they kind of ruin everything for everybody. And it's not the tarot, it's the person. And I think that's the beauty of tarot. It's um, especially if you're getting a reading from somebody else, like it, to me, it's not about the tarot. It's how this person narrates the story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like what they're paying attention to and like yeah. how much, how into the card itself and the artwork on that card they're reading into it versus just the character on the card that's ubiquitous. Exactly. Um, I'm like, not a is, big academic yeah. scholar when it comes to tarot. Like it's, I never have been. Um, hell, I hope. But everyone knows that the fool is in every tarot deck. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to pay attention to just it's the fool and what you know about fools? Or are you going to pay attention to the artwork on this specific card? Exactly. Are you going to equate the character to someone in the room or just an energy that's in all of us? Like, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can use it. And it's being used at that time. You know, mm -hmm. that's what the divination is. Like, that's the card you pulled or whatever that's it is. That's a great point. And I think we should hang on that for a second. It's not okay. divination like I'm listening to spirits in my ear. It's it's an intuitive aspect of it, right? I mean, it can be. Yeah. It can be both. It's totally allowed to be both. But I think for me, it's like, yeah, how just intuitively someone reads a spread and what they pay attention to. And like, that's what, what I, when I get tarot readings, I'm not paying. I know tarot. I've had friends tell me I could just, you know, make money when I'm hard up for cash, like doing tarot on the corner. I'm like, I just, I just haven't done it yet. I don't want to do it. But at the same time, it's like, that's, <laughs> that's not why I'm into tarot. Like I'm into tarot because of the reader and how they interpret the cards and like how they do it. It's a storytelling practice. Yeah you know yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and i mean stories are quite a funny thing i'm often curious about how the nature of stories exists in other forms of life it's mm. pretty clear how it works with humans right we have some sort of lesson to teach or some sort of playful goal we're trying to achieve like is it just entertaining is it educational um that in any case, we usually use stories for some sort of reason. I'm curious about, you know, obviously it's it's really hard for us to communicate with other forms of animal life. We don't speak the same languages. Um, we don't live the same reality. Um, but how other maybe charms of foxes or murders of crows will like entertain themselves with language? I have, I have to say like through tracking and I'm implementing like I'm still deep in learning and uh, actually helping like assist teaching like for real tracking of animals this summer. To me, that's the story. That's the story part, especially like learning like, you know, my my uh, the mentor that we have, he's like, get fucking stoked about this grain of sand. See that grain of sand? It moved in that track. That's a, that's a part of the story. Like you can you can tell where the wind is coming from. You see where this where it is, uh, where the sun is in the sky. You can tell, you know, the by the imprint, like how they were feeling. It's like you can tell the story of what they were going to, you know, if the yeah. coyote was just wandering or if it was like on a on a hunt, like all due to this little imprint in the dirt. And to me, I think that's that's it that's that's how you get into the animal story that's how you mm -hmm. like see how they communicate with each other and like you can really see how an animal feels just by you know imprints in the earth like it's insane it's beautiful yeah another reason we should take off our shoes yeah <laughs> hell yeah i'm all for it we have good feet um, also uh i've got uh My guy. Yeah, I know it is. Our is friend. My guy? I uh Mary was wearing this when we went on our when first date. And I was like, that's the one. You're the one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I remember. This is my trickster totem. Oh. Ooh, some divination. Oh, Tell me about the mask. He doesn't like the owl. Oh, the yeah. owl. The owl is really important. I think about the owl a lot recently. And you know what? I think about the spider a lot, too. Um, 
I'm actually one of my friends. Yeah. I'm really jealous of one of my friends. Uh, I mean, it could be that it's spider season all over the world in the Northern Hemisphere right now. Um, this tends to be the time that they spawn in greater numbers. But um, my friend who teaches in Seoul um, is working at a school and they're putting on a production of um, and a story about Anansi. Do you know much about Anansi? Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, African, but trickster. yeah, like I, really interestingly, all over Africa, the mm-hmm. huge place that is Africa, this spider is all over it with the same yeah. name, which is wild. But yeah, it's one of the most famous stories about him is how he became the king of stories, the owner of all stories. And I'm so surprised that a school in Korea is doing a play just telling this story because I don't see a lot of African mythology in school generally um, and particularly in Korean schools with the proper names with all of the characters represented with um, adherence to which variation of the story it is and yeah it's just it's it's pretty cool to see that is cool I'm glad make his to... way all around you know, in popular culture, I'm glad too. someone like Neil Gaiman or whatever is, you know, giving or charging these stories and giving credence in his own way to a lot of the cross pollination, the comparative mythology stuff. You know, I uh, love the premise of American Gods. A lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Like that, you know, just by enough people putting energy into one thing's existence. I call it the it Freddy Krueger effect. Yeah. Yes. Totally. The totally. Freddy Krueger effect. Yeah. If as you long as people it. believe in them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true, and I, I think that's something to be said about stories as well. You know. Um, you know, and like, yeah, that Lewis Hyde book, you know, Trickster Makes This World. I was just in a perfect place to really get it, and it helped me deal with, you know, my regret too, and weird decisions and there is a place for someone to disrupt you know you can still like have a certain kind of communion with the self when it comes to you know i I feel bad about it but at the same time it's like i i get the impetus that like the trickster is always going to help you know um punch the ghosts right it's he's always or they are always going to like keep testing the confines and stuff and so it's so it's always saying to me about that also that uh i remember the translation of uh the homeric hymn in that book it's really beautiful but uh yeah i need to read that book again it's been a while yeah i should too i lent it to a friend back in the states and i should check in on her and see if she's finished it i know that she loved what she read of it when we were spending time in the same house. Um, So yeah, it's just one of those books that really illustrates something that again, maybe you knew or maybe you were starting to get to and they're like, yes, I Mm -hmm. resonate entirely with this. There's so much about the gut, especially in the beginning of that book Mm -hmm. um, that it talks about that I I really liked. because I think that that's something that's really tied to a lot of trickster stories is hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why I'm trying to spider web my way back to our, the beginning of our conversation. Maybe it's because I have to go soon, but um, I do think that a lot of the desire to create things and produce things especially does come from a sense of like, spiritual hunger that we're trying to satiate that really only gets satiated when we take a break and when we go outside yeah i feel satiated when i'm in the process but having that looming when something's done god i was every time i finished a an album i was already in the throes of working on the new one and the last thing i wanted to do was promote the other one or yeah you know push the other one i was like if i could if someone can just pay me to be in a room with a fucking cassette deck and a guitar and a drum set or you know whatever for the rest of my life just like that's my limbo and i would 
perfectly live in that purgatory. I joke, you know, because of full moons, I'm like, you know, I I just want to be handcuffed to a desk with a guitar and a notebook. You know, (laughs) like like yeah, let me design my prison perfectly. Yeah, Um, exactly. Because otherwise, like it's not gonna end well for anyone, you know. (laughs) Is that a threat or (laughs) any any one Uh, of my my characters, maybe I should say. But yeah. okay, yeah, you gotta go soon. Uh, let's check the. We chat. gotta teach the kids you gotta about teach- music, and about countries. That's mainly what we're working on. Love it. Are you yeah. doing music in different countries? I wish my curriculum were a little more focused on that. There have been some last-minute changes right before I started working to the schedule that doesn't really allow me a lot of time in my classes, and there's just workbooks to get through. Um, yeah. But I definitely play music of certain countries in the backgrounds when we're working on things. Um, so, you know, actually, one of my classes is learning about Greece right now, which I'm pretty excited about because we get to talk a little bit about Greek mythology, nice. which I know a lot about because our father would play Joseph Campbell's mythology tapes for me when I was yep. going to sleep. Me too. Yeah. Here with yeah. a thousand faces. I thank our dad for that. Joseph Campbell was yeah. a huge, huge part of my childhood. So was Art Bell. And Mm. uh, when I was having a rough time, he would take me on long night drives just to listen to KFI and listen to uh, Coast to Coast. um, Yeah. With Art Bell. And we just got to sit there in silence and just think about, you know, the other forever long. And I I just always appreciate that. So, yeah. I often wonder if there's just two. It's just you and I in any given moment, whoever you're with. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. You mean like the other, the quote unquote? Yeah. There's just the self and the other. Well, I think, you know, in my work and something I'm working on called divergent magic, um, I think communion with brain chemistry and brain chemistry as the other, because it can be oppressive. It can be inescapable. And so there are tithes and tributes to to use and rituals and practices to kind of commune with that other it's you know for lack of a better Mm. term it's that kind of loose demon and not to say that demons are bad which you know if you think demons are bad grow the fuck up no i'm just kidding um (laughs) yeah go check into your bed sometime yeah exactly uh, i i want to leave you with a thought um then i should really go but um Something I've been thinking about is how language influences subtly our, our worldview. And I forget where, what study, what source, um, maybe it was replicated, I think, but the, there was some sort of survey done um, on native Chinese speakers and native English speakers um, and the connection to Cartesian philosophy, specifically the duality of the mind and body. And it turned out that most native English speakers believe in a separation of mind, soul, heart, whatever it is with the physical world, like the body, like the mind and body are separate things. They operate separately they have different needs, et cetera. And that the majority of native Chinese speakers did not and believed in a more singular form that the body and the mind are not only linked, but they're the same thing. And a lot of the speculation as to why this is, is because of how the language functions. In English, if you were to say, my heart is beating, the heart is the subject of the sentence and it is participating in active progressive tense. And if you were to translate that to Chinese and then translate it back into English, you'd get something closer to, I beat my heart. And so that's, um, you know, I'm curious to know if a lot of like native Chinese speakers might feel an equal inclination to linking up with their brain chemistry and treating it as an other um, in that sort of spiritual fight. But anyway, I got to go. All right. I love you, Cayman. It's good to see you. I love you too.
again, I want to thank Cayman for standing by when I've, you know, chatted with him so much about, hey, I just, I'm going through things. I can't, I can't be present in a social space uh, these past couple months. And I know we've both been through a lot. And as I've said, you know, our respective mad seasons when this uh, was recorded, our interview, you know, we were in very different places and it's pretty magnanimous how things change uh, for us as individuals and collectively in the past few months. And so I want to reiterate, you can find this album at caymanross.bandcamp.com. This is his track, Yellow Rose. 